And welcome on this May 15th, uh, Wednesday, on the eve before the Preakness. And rumor has it I have a great guest for you today. Yeah, he's been a longtime friend of mine. And I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait to introduce him to you. I've known Jude Feld since the 1980s. We go way back when when we were young. And... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, Jude has been a chart caller. He's been a chart taker. He's been a clocker. He's been he's been a trainer, a graded stakes winning trainer. Jude, you've done it all in this game. Yeah, I've done everything but be a jockey. I've been a jockey agent. I've been a racing official. <laughs> I've worn lots of hats. Yeah, well, well, thank God you were not a jockey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the horses thank me all the time. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. Now, let, let's talk a little bit first about, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I'll never forget when, when you won the, at that time was called the, uh, wasn't the San Clemente, what was it called? The um, the Chula Vista, I think, was it? With the one that Vlvine won. Yeah, the Chula Vista. The Chula Vista. And then yeah, it ended up being renamed, one. and that ended up being renamed, I believe, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, uh, the Clement Hirsch now. Yeah, so I'll never forget that sitting up in the press box, and uh, I gotta say it's got to be 1994. Uh, I think it was even earlier than that. It, it might have been like 1991 or, or wow. something like that. Great... I don't know. I I ignore the years. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> well done. Now you worked in press boxes, you know. Now tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Well, actually, I'll tell you another part of it that a lot of people don't know. You were one of the guys behind 505 Farms, John Sheriffs. You and Kellen Gorder at the farm, getting babies like Hook and Ladder uh, ready. Manistique was that one of yours too? Well, Manistique was uh, at, at you know kind of the tail end as as I was there. I was the farm manager the last year. Uh, the farm was in existence it was sold uh, a, a little bit over a year after after i took over we had a great crew though i mean uh kellen gorder was the head trainer ben colbrook was galloping horses for us we had bill o'neill taking care of the new racetrack that we had put in and uh 80 broodmares uh on the grounds and several uh uh you know horses in quarantine we were a full service operation there had a lot of fun. It was it was great having the horses in and out all the time. We had excellent clients, uh, Karen and Nikki Taylor of Seattle Slough fame. We had horses for Gary Bizance and Cobra Farm. Uh, we we had uh, a lot of horses for Carl Nasker. It was uh, just just a lot of fun to see these good horses come through the farm and and really uh, do well uh, as they left us. And what was amazing is John Sheriffs, who cannot win with a first time starter to save his life now was winning with every first-time starter he had. <laughs> Am I well, right? Uh, yeah, he, he won with quite a few and, and uh, some that were, you know, um, off the off the boat from Europe. Um, Kellen is just an excellent trainer. He's, he, he knows the ins and outs of, of every horse. He can get on horses himself. And, um, you know, I mentioned Ben Colbrook, too. These guys, you know, were a huge asset to what we did. And, and it was—it's great to be able to get horses ready for people and send them in relatively fit and ready to roll. So that—that's kind of what we were noted for, and, 
and uh, it worked out very nicely. Kellen even won a, a grade two race right off the uh, farm. He trained a horse right there at the farm and, and uh, took him out to Hollywood Park and won a grade two. Now, that was Chestnut Farm that was located right off of Versailles Road, right by Keeneland, correct? That, that was uh, Mr. House's farm, yes. Um, we had that farm for 10 years. We raised over 100 uh, winners off that farm. Uh, it was uh, a lot of fun to do that project. Uh, we, we bought it. It was kind of in disrepair. It hadn't been used in several years. And, um, so we, we fixed it up and got the broodmares going, and uh, we really had, uh, had a great time doing that. Um, and then Mr. House uh, recently sold it to uh, Mick Ruiz, and uh, they're uh, raising babies on that farm right now. And that's where he trains his horses. That's interesting. I did not know that. And, and you know, you actually had a great career as a trainer. Um, I, you, did, I did. I, I was very fortunate. Yeah, you had um, horses like uh, Order. You had all the babies from Order. Uh, and I'm trying to remember, who owned Order? The actual... Uh, that was Rob, Robert Marino. Robert uh, Marino. We, we, Yes. We bought him uh, off of Stephen Penrod. He was training him for Claiborne Farm. And uh, I guess they didn't really think he was going to be a stakes horse or anything. We won a couple stakes with him. And then sent him at stud. We had several horses uh, uh, by him that that uh, did very well, including Ready to Order, who was the closest I ever got to the Kentucky Derby. Ready to Order beat Cavanier twice. And... Uh, Cavanier finished a, a, a dirty nose second in the Kentucky Derby, and Bob Baffert, he always teases me about that horse. He says, I still hate that horse. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was the, the grindstone, the grindstone right. with Jerry Bailey. Um, but uh, that, that's, your brother worked for you, Bob Feld, um, who's now yeah. a, a major bloodstock agent. Uh, he was your assistant trainer at Hollywood Park, I think, right? Yeah, he took he took the babies to Hollywood. I, I've had a lot of guys over the years that have worked for me that have gone on to be successful. Bob being one of them. Aaron Wellman of uh, Eclipse Thoroughbred Partners. He started working for me when he was like six years old, five or six years old. He started coming to the barn at Del Mar and uh, worked for me all all the way to college. And uh, Doug O'Neill, I gave him his first job on the racetrack. Pete Miller, he was my assistant for a while. For about three years, actually, I used to train for his stepfather, Gary Holman. So I've had a lot of guys that, that have gone on to do some great things. Donnie Chatlos, uh, he won a Breeders' Cup. I think he's Hollendorfer's assistant now. Yes. Um, so now, I'll give you he's, one more. I'll give you one more. Andy Villanueva, who works for Racing with Bruno. That's right. That's right. Andy worked for me for several years, and, and uh, we remain friends to this day. Uh, all my all my guys... Uh, and gals that, that work for me, we're, we're still in touch, and and uh, those of us who are still on the right side of the grass, um, you know, <laughs> every, everybody, everybody seems to, uh, you know, remember the good old days, as we like to call them, and, and we, we always did have a good time. Win, lose, or draw, we always, we always had a good time. You're always really fun to hang out with. You have the, an infectious laugh. So tell us, you got out of training, you came out east, um, well, you were out here, and you went to work for Keeneland, and tell us what you're doing now. Well, now I work for Horse Racing Radio Network, uh, travel around to um, most of the big races in the United States. Uh, um, we, we do uh, you know, all the 
Triple Crown, the Breeders' Cup. Uh, we do some foreign races too, the Queen's Plate, the Barbados Gold Cup. Um, we, we do a lot of traveling and, and try to bring the coverage of the big races to people on the radio, which is kind of unique in today's day and age. But uh, there's a lot of people here in central Kentucky that work on farms, and, and they tell us all the time that they, they take their radio in their golf cart or whatever and when they're going out to feed the mares or or check the babies or whatever they can listen to the big races which oftentimes they would they would miss because they were only on television so it's kind of a, a service that we provide and we enjoy doing it we also have some other shows during the week uh like tvg style handicapping shows and things like that so uh try to cover racing as much as possible and keep people engaged and involved and the one thing that I know about you, you're an excellent handicapper. Just ask the people in Barbados. You go down there and take all the money when you go down there. I've heard. Is that true? I've heard that. Yeah, that, that's actually true. Tell us a little. Wait, 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 wait. So go ahead, tell us. You actually, you go to Barbados and you take all their money and you walk out with money bags. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny because. Uh, I've, I've been making my own speed figures for Barbados for a long time and, and uh, I go down there the, the, the form if you want to call it that in Barbados the, the program that, that people handicap off of it's very rudimentary um, you know it's like the last three races with the finished position and the times and stuff but there's no speed figures there's no track variant there's none of that stuff and uh, they, they publish the charts and stuff so I started making my own speed figures and it, I've you know, kind of proven it's been a, a big edge when, when I go down there. So, um, you know, I, I, one, the one time I went down there, um, the Barbados Turf Club was actually considering hiring me as the, as the director of racing. And, and uh, I, I think I might have lost the job because there was a big carryover in the pick four. And uh, I was the only ticket alive to two horses. And they ran first and third. And, and I took down the whole pool. <laughs> Can I ask what the whole pool was? Five grand. <laughs> it, it was worth winning, but I don't think they were amused. They, you know, they had to give me the free money. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you took all the money and you ran out of Barbados. No wonder it's a poor country. You know. <laughs> it's it's What's really the- not that poor. They're, they're, they're doing okay down there. It's a beautiful place to go, and I encourage people to go whenever, whenever uh, the subject comes up. A lot of people know that, that I'm a big fan of Barbados. The people are just wonderful people that, that so live When do you there. go down there? When do you go? Usually in March. The, the Sandy Lane Gold Cup is the first Saturday in March, and that's when I've been making most of my trips. I've gone down for the Derby down there which is in august so uh, but wait a minute the barbados the barbados derby yes yes okay anybody that Uh, we know that have won it that has won it uh you know trainer safi joseph right yes having a great year so safi was the youngest trainer to ever win the barbados triple crown and um he did that i think he was like 20 or 21 years old um but it's it's mostly mostly horses that that they buy at sales or or breed in the Caribbean. Um, there's a lot of uh, horsemen from Barbados that go up to the sales like OBS and um, that that type of thing and, and buy horses in probably like the you know ten to 
$35,000 prize range because the purse money in Barbados isn't that good, but the people there love the sport and they love to be competitive. And there's some partnership groups now that are getting popular where, where people can own a, a fractional interest in a horse and have some fun on the weekends. It's one of the biggest sports in the country. I mean, cricket's probably number one. The West Indies are, are you know, the, the number one attraction, I guess. But, um, you know, the horse racing's big. They race every other Saturday uh, throughout the year. They take a little little break in the in the fall. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a big deal there. And the Standing Lane Gold Cup is almost like a national holiday. I mean, people that aren't working in the entertainment or hospitality industry are all at the track. I mean, if, if you have a job other than those two things, you're, you're probably going racing on the first Saturday in March. <laughs> that sounds odd to hear, but that sounds like a fun time. So now we know that you're, uh, you know, now next next March, we're going to have to get you on to give us the Barbados Derby winner. <laughs> Give, give, give you the give you the picks. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now we can't bet it here in America. No, I when when I was working for Keeneland and and you know talking to Barbados all the time, I had a deal worked out that um, had to go through the the Prime Minister of Barbados, and I had met his <laughs> best friend in the airport um, one day, and we had this meeting set up, and unfortunately. The man passed away before we got to have our meeting, and that was really unfortunate, not only for him and his family, because he was a relative with a young guy, he was in his 40s, but um, the, the other part of that was that, that the simulcasting deal with Keeneland never uh, came to fruition, so wow. it, was, it was unfortunate, but um, it wasn't going to be a lot, because you know every other Saturday, it's not a big deal, but I thought it would be entertaining, and especially people... Uh, you know, in Kentucky, they like to see their horses that they bred run in other countries and stuff. It's a, it's a sense of pride, and and I thought it would be a nice a nice mix. Both places are very classy and and uh, you know run by people who love the game. So um, I thought I thought they you know be nice partners, but it, unfortunately, it didn't work out. I gotta say this though, I know you, okay. You were trying to set that up to get more money in the pool because you were going to take their money, okay? That is a horse player, true and true. Juice well, I would have liked to, I would have liked to, you know, be able to bet the races on a regular basis that way. But, um, <laughs> you know. but, but I just, I, I like to do things for the game. I like to give back. The sport's been great to me. I've got to do a lot of things that people only dream of. So I, I really, you know, I, I like to... Uh, share with other people how great it is. Well, you know, I'll tell you one thing. We've both been very, very blessed to be able to do what we do and to be able to see the horses that we've seen and the history we've seen, uh, whether it's good or bad, uh, you know, in this industry because of the opportunities we've gotten. And so, for the record, before we move on from Barbados, you have an account in the West Indies. No. No, I mean, never mind. I meant that you have a bank in the West Indies, that you, in, in the Barbados, that you can, you've got cash flow. Let's just say that, oh, I, you know. I have, I, have, I have cash flow, but I don't have a bank account. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it, it's a lot of fun to talk about that. Now, now, you talked about the Barbados Triple Crown. They must have the equivalent of the Preakness in that, in that, uh, in that Triple Crown. So, and speaking of the Preakness... What about the race this weekend? It's everybody's 
complaining that we don't have the derby winner or the, the second place or the third place runner-up or, or this or that, it's still a pretty good race. Yeah, you know, you've known me a long time. You know I'm a little weird. I think this yeah, the yeah, I do. Preakness, <laughs> the best Preakness we've had in a long, long time. I'm really pumped up for it. I think it's great that, that we don't have the derby winner and all that. I, this is this is a unique field. It's a unique situation. Something that, that we haven't had to deal with much, especially lately. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's, it's going to be a really fun race. It's a great betting race. Um, pe- people are, you know, kind of gravita- gravitating towards different horses. A lot like the Derby. The Derby was like that, too. Every horse had their legion of fans for one reason or the other. But I, I think this is going to be a fun race. I, I, the weather's supposed to be, <laughs> if not nice, at least decent. So I think um, I, I think we're going to have, have a good race, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, wide-open betting race. Now, having said that you are weird, you know me as well. We won't comment yeah. on that, you know? <laughs> My podcast. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, the one thing about it is if you've ever been around Jude and I, if we're out to dinner and stuff, we're always laughing and always having a good time. The man is absolutely, has an infectious laugh and is fun to listen to, great stories. Now... We talked about the weather being decent down in Baltimore. It's supposed to rain on Friday for the Black Eyed Susan. Um, have you seen? Yeah, any- just in the morning, I think. I think it's supposed to be nice by the afternoon. So I'm hoping it's halfway decent. We've heard that in Louisville a number of times. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, um, you know, and, and let me ask you this. You've been around, how many derbies have you done out here now? Oh, I don't know. Probably 13 or 14, I would imagine. How how has the weather affected the Kentucky Derby, in your opinion? Well, you know that's an interesting question because I mean we we've had some some uh, oddball horses win it, um, you know, and it, it seems like it rains every Derby now, it, which is probably not true. But I mean, there, there's always such a uh, difference in the racetracks from one year to the next and Churchill Downs does a great job getting their track in as good a shape as it could possibly be I have to say you know I'm always amazed at how that track ends up you know as good as it can be for the derby um, year in year out they do a great job and I know a lot of it has to do with the surface and how it dries and how much wind you get and all that stuff but I mean, between the crew at Churchill Downs and the, the crew at, at Charlestown, who also does an amazing job with their racetrack, uh, especially for the Charlestown Classic, I mean, those those two tracks really seem to have it down for their particular surface. And, um, you know, I, I think it has, it has an effect. It has to have an effect. It has an effect in all races. I mean, there are certain horses that just don't handle the off and there are some horses that relish it um and then there's the horses that don't really seem to care which is where most of the horses fall into that category but um you know i i think it has to have some kind of effect on the results well as far as the result this year if we just look at the results itself do you think the best horse won the kentucky derby this year do you mean finish first yes (laughs) yes 
I was amazed at how he broke and yeah, how well, he was pulling away from the horses again. And you know how much I like the horse. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know you, you liked him a lot. And, you know, I, I was kind of in the opposite camp. I mean, I was kind of ambivalent toward him. Like, I wasn't sold that uh, if he ran the same kind of race he ran in the Florida Derby that he would win the Kentucky Derby. Um uh, he didn't run the same race, and and he ended up winning it anyway. Uh, so I, I think, uh, you know, he, he's he, he was obviously best on the day, um, and it, everything else is is unfortunate. What's what's interesting about that? By the way, we have a rule on this podcast: we don't use big words like ambivalent. Uh, <laughs> Because that kind of rhymes with hyperventilating, you know, and we don't do that, you know. Yeah, so, uh, but that was, you know, to me, that was one of the most amazing performances I've seen because he almost propped and, and really propped and stopped his momentum. And he had gone 22 and 46 and change. Wasn't like, it wasn't like he was going 48 and 112 as in a turf race. And for him to re-break and do what he did, I was absolutely amazed on, on, on his performance. Now, again, let's go back to the Preakness. Without the Derby winner, without the, the, the actual real Derby winner and fake Derby winner, without Code of Honor, without Country House, without Tacitus. And by the way, Tacitus had huge trouble on the turn if you watch the race um, you have to how do you how do you handle war of will because I thought he absolutely fell apart the last 16th of a mile and that caused his trainer to get uh, his panties in a wad you know um, I mean how do you how do you handle this performance well, I, I think, you know, the, the fact that he encountered a lot of trouble and stuff might have had something to do with it. Also, um, he couldn't have possibly been as fit as he would be if he didn't have, you know, so many hiccups along the way. So I, I'm thinking he's going to build off of that. I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking that that's in, indicative of his top race. Um, I'm thinking he probably needed the race more than anything. And, um, you know, when he got stopped, there, there wasn't a lot to draw from. Well, um, aren't you concerned a little bit of how hard he pulls? Well, yes, I, I, I am. And I was, I was that week, uh, that derby week, I was, I was concerned about it because he was just almost unmanageable uh, the first few days. It wasn't until, I believe, Thursday before derby that I actually liked the way he galloped. And, and we had Mark Cassie on the lead-in shows um, that we did for the Kentucky Derby Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I talked to Mark about that, how keen he was in the mornings. And, and did he think because he was off a long time and it would work against him? And Mark 
kind of agreed with me, you know, that he was keen and he was hoping that he would settle down. And he did on Thursday. He galloped as good as I've seen him gallop. And, you know, so I was encouraged by that going into the Derby that he would run as, as good as he could. And, I mean, he was right into the quarter pole, and then all the stuff happened. So, I, you know, I, I feel like he ran – you know, an acceptable race, and and I don't I don't think I would count that against them necessarily. Sure. I'm not saying I would bet the house on him because I don't I don't necessarily think he's a he's a cinch. It's going to be interesting because most of the time it's the horses that ran in the Kentucky Derby that win the Preakness, regardless of any other factor. But this year's going to be so much different because there's so few of them, and there's some really really nice horses that didn't get in because of points or or other reasons that I think, you know, might have equally as good of a chance. What about always mining? I think that horse is a beast. I think he's just an unbelievable horse. And, you know, he kind of gets to sleep in his own bed and do what he always does and I, I think he's got a, a tremendous edge uh, that way. Um, it, you know, it's Laurels is basically his home track, but I mean, you know, he's he's a Fair Hill horse. He looked good blown out. I I, th- I think he's going to run a huge race. He's he's been on a roll. He his trainer Kelly Rubley has had a plan all along and been able to interview her a couple of times during this ridiculous streak and, and uh, you know everything that she's planned and everything that he's done doesn't dissuade me one bit from from uh, thinking he has a big chance in the pregame. How about Bourbon War? Have you had Mark Henning on? Yeah, we've talked to Mark. Mark's been, been you know relatively high on his horse's chances. He, he says he's run against the best competition in Florida, which seems to be the best competition in general. Um and for, for this year, and, um, you know, Mark likes the way he's training, and, um, I, I, you know, Mark's a fantastic trainer. Done like, I don't know, $76 million a person or something. Um, so he, you know, he knows, you know, what, what to do with a horse. He's won a lot of big races, and, and I think Bourbon War is a horse that they have to consider. Um, you know, he, he's, uh, he's got a good finish. I mean, I certainly think he's going to be somewhere in the exotics he's going to be somewhere in the top four for sure i don't know exactly where that's going to be but he's coming up to the race in, in great shape and mark likes him so what, what's, that's, uh, what's interesting about him is the addition of blinkers and i will say this the one thing that made it amazing to see what maximum security did even though he was disqualified in the kentucky derby is the ability of handling three four races at gulfstream park and then coming back and still maintaining his form and running big again in the Kentucky Derby. The same thing goes for Code of Honor, who ran two bang-up races in Florida. A lot of the times what happens in Florida stays in Florida. Well, not this year, it seems like. Those races were the best races in the country by, by far. Um, so Bourbon War fits right along that mold. Now, he also gets speed. What, how do you see the race being set up uh, uh, on the track? 
Well, I, I think it's I think it's going to be you know pretty pretty square race. I mean, there's there's horses with with speed, with good early speed. There's horses that are pressers. There's horses that come from behind. Um, I, I think um, you know the, the the closers may have a little bit of an edge. The pace may may get a little hot. Um, I don't know. And then you might have a horse, you know, like always mining. Is that his name? Always mining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that uh, you know just runs away from the field a lot like the Kentucky Derby winner did because he's just such an overpowering kind of horse. He did, he did great last time, which I thought was an encouraging sign. Um, you know, he doesn't need the lead, obviously, but a lot's going to depend on, you know, who decides to go and who decides to sit. There's going to be a lot of... <laughs> I, I, it'll be interesting to hear at the draw show what, what some of the trainers say about where they drew and how they're going to you know, run the horse, but but a lot of that sometimes turns out to be BS because nobody really says what they're going to do anyway, except for Bobby Frankel and he's dead. So yeah, um, you, you know. Thanks I, for I reminding just, us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you were well, friendly gonna, with well, you were friendly with I'm, the late Bobby I'm Frankel. I'm looking at a picture of him in my dining room as we're as we're doing this podcast. So, oh wow! Uh, just just remind me, I got I got three pets hanging up in, in uh, my dining room Bob Baffert, Wayne Lucas, and Bobby Frankel, so um, <laughs> they're staring me right in the face right now. <laughs> hey, 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 you know, you know, you know, dude, you know, these guys, they all talk out of you know what, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved Bobby. Bobby had a way of saying things that could, could really crack you up, you know? And that New York type, and he had that kind of voice that, that kind yeah. of made it, you know, but, um, and and you grew up with Bobby, literally, right? Yeah, I mean he he was very instrumental in my career. Um, you know he took uh, time to let Umberto teach me, you know, about horses' legs and stuff. And he would, you know, always answer questions whenever I had any. And um, yeah, we were we were close, and and uh, it was it was a, a great education. He was a guy I loved hanging around. He knew so much he was such a natural horseman and he would see things you know out of the corner of his eye that some people could look at a horse and, and not see anything but he just had that knack and, and uh you know he was he was very good to me uh, got me some clients and and uh always always thought to it that if i needed something i was taken care of well uh as we've talked about let's go back one back we got a little sidetrack there with bobby Always oh, great to talk about Bobby Frankel, uh, the, the 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 Hall of Famer and the the man that really kind of rewrote the book on, or actually made the book on having horses from Europe come out here and succeed. Um, but um, how people always think of Pimlico being a speed track. What do you what do you say to that? Yeah, I say it's a bunch of baloney. They always talk about the tight turns. The turns are no tighter than any place else. I don't know where all these things came from, but they've been saying them since I was a kid. So, you know, it, if you say it enough, people start believing it. But I, I don't really think that um, you know, the track is speed favoring. I think it's, it's favoring, <laughs> in the Preakness especially, it favors the best horse, um, which usually is a horse with speed. So I, I think a lot of that is not exactly um, scientifically proven. And I, 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 I agree with you. You know, let, let's stay with that real quick. 
I get a lot of people that talk about and say, well, speed is holding today. Well, speed is good on this track. Or speed is good. Or speed is great. Oh, you have to be on the lead. The one thing about thoroughbreds, they were made to be fast. Speed was supposed to be their best asset. So I am confused when I hear people talking about always speed being good and, and oh, it's speed, speed, speed today. Aren't what, that not that what a thoroughbred is supposed to be speedy? I lost you there for a minute. Well, um, well what I'm saying is speed horses, people talk about speed being good. Isn't that the essence of a thoroughbred? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, a, a speed horse, if a speed horse wins three races in a row, and they pay, you know, three eighty four dollars, five sixty. Everybody says, "Oh, there's a speed bias today." No, there's just the best horse bias today. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know, just, exactly. Just because the horses have the same running style that are winning uh, doesn't doesn't mean that there's a bias. It just means that they're superior to the field. Now, some days you see horses that you know make the lead that you know can't stick or whatever and they win anyway those are the days where there might be a bias but just to like lump the results together and say the track's favoring speed today when the best horse wins the first three races is a huge mistake which a lot of people make and and you know i mean not everybody does this to the level that we do so you know i i try not to get on people too much but i do try to explain to them that it, it might not be the speed as as it is more of of a class and fitness uh situation than, than just because you made the lead you won how's that working for you by the way when you try to explain to people nowadays in social I mean, media some people some people i i don't necessarily do it on social media but some people are open to it and other pe- people you know have a closed mind and it's just their opinion and nothing else i mean i i'm very happy that that i'm open to a lot of things and so i I listen to everybody and and draw my own conclusions but um there's a lot of people that they just want to spew their opinion and feel like it's gospel and i don't feel that way about my opinion (laughs) at all so, well, I, I, you I do you do have like a web them. you do have a website, however, that's called PopeJude.com. Yeah, yeah, well, but that you know that kind of blossomed out of a bunch of other stuff. And <laughs> it really doesn't have any, anything to do with me being being the pope or being or, or, or spreading your gospel. I just had yeah, to throw that in because I am going to yeah. bring a Family Guy reference of Peter Griffith. What grinds my gears. You know, and one of them is what you just mentioned about people calling a speed bias after three favorites winning being much the best horses. Well, also on those three speed horses, most of the time, where does the speed horse end up? Down on the rail. People are calling it speed bias on the inside. And I find, and you know, I got to do the Peter Griffith, that grind, what grinds my gears, you know? And uh, if you're a Family Guy fan, you would probably get a chuckle of that if you didn't. Forget it. Let's move on. And um, but um, but it, it's just you know to me a lot of the times I think common sense in racing it lacks a little common uh, you know uh, in there it lacks the word of common uh, in, in, in in it all. But um, you know you ever get to a point where you completely lose your train of thought? 
I had that. Uh, yeah, Just probably more, more often these days. Than <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, folks, June and I have a lot of fun with each other. We like to kid around a lot, and we always laugh and giggle. And uh, I, I hope you enjoyed having Jude on. Jude, tell us where we can find you. Tell us, uh, and let's see, where can we hear you next time? Uh, I will be actually on uh, Sirius XM this afternoon um, from uh, 3 to 4 only because we're doing a draw show from Pimlico. We're also doing an industry uh, show for the Maryland Breeders Association. So I'll be on Sirius uh, 219 XM 201 this afternoon from 3 to 4 tomorrow from 3 to 6. We'll have a, a full um, Express Bet radio show with, uh, with a bunch of races that uh, we handicap. And then um, uh, I'll be on uh, another hour on, on Friday, but then uh, it's going to be um, the crew from Pimlico is going to be taking care of Black Eyed Susan and some of the surrounding stakes and then uh, most of the day uh, Preakness. So uh, I'm all... I'm huh? always uh, not far away from the action. So you can uh, listen to Pope Jude on the Sirius Radio channel number uh, two nineteen and XM two hundred one, and you can always stream us um, on horseracingradio.net. Uh, you, can, you can do that on your phone, your tablet, uh, your computer. Um, there's a listen now button. It's pretty prominent when you when you pull up the website and you can just click that listen now button and you'll hear any of the live programming that we're doing so if you don't have Sirius you can Bluetooth it in your car or whatever you need to do I'm a serious Jude Feld fan and I hope you become <laughs> there and I hope you become a fan too because he's one of my favorite people in the world and in the racing industry and Jude uh, we have to go for sushi soon with C and uh, with G and um, and we'll have to have some fun. And I've really been great to have you on, and it's been a really a lot of fun. Yeah, had a great time. And that's that's why again. I that's why I do these podcasts because I'm entertaining myself. And that was Jude Feld. I really enjoyed having him on. As you can tell, we had a really good time. I want to thank you for joining us again, and I hope to talk to you soon. <laughs>